Well, we have a short text today uh, and a familiar one to many of you. But I think it's worth revisiting. I'll go back to, let's set this up a little bit. Uh, back in the last November, we had a leadership meeting and uh, Carter, Pastor Carter called it at Tom and Linda's house and we discussed what is our future and we've done this before and it's always a good exercise. It's always good to uh, see where we are, where we're heading and so on and so forth. In the discussion of all of that, two things came to surface of our need in this church and that was the first one is to revitalize and to bring back and to, to uh, get going again the small group ministry that we had that was so powerful for a, such a long time and meant so much to so many people. And it was a really great way that we could grow in our faith, grow in our fellowship with each other, understanding and so on. But well, COVID, you know, we blame everything on COVID, right? Uh, so uh, we definitely need to bring that back. And Kent uh, and Evelyn Soje and Don and Denise Russell are working on that. We're excited about that. He has taken, Kent has taken that uh, just on his own, more or less. Uh, well, not on his own. God gave it to him, I'm sure. So uh, I'm, I'm praying that God will uh, continue to bless him and give him uh, whatever he needs to carry that out and get this going again. Fall, this fall, get ready. We're going to get some small groups going again. The other thing that came out of that meeting was a really deep-felt need for discipling, for discipleship. We aren't doing it the way we should. We aren't doing it, in many cases, we're not doing it at all. We're depending on the church to do it, programs to do it, and so on and so forth. But is that really what Jesus called us to? Are we doing it the way he called us to do it? And so we've been studying that, and uh, the leader of that team that came out of that hasn't been doing his job. Uh, otherwise, it would have been, uh, we'd be much further down the road than now than uh, we are if they picked a different uh, team leader. So, beg your pardon? It's not me. No, it's not you. It's not anybody out there. So I'll let you guess who that is. Uh, but I want to impress upon you today the necessity, and it is a necessity, for us to be making disciples. It's what Jesus gave us to do. It's his chosen way of growing his church, of extending his kingdom, of glorifying himself on earth. That's what Jesus left us with, what we call the Great Commission, and that's our text today. So, it's a very short text. So, if you'll all stand for the honor in honor of God's word, I'll read the text to you. And then you can sit down almost immediately, because it isn't very long. Now, I have it in ESV. Is that right, Tucker? Up there? Correct. Good. Good. So I'll be reading the same words that you have up there on the wall. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
I'm starting with verse 18. I'm sorry. You won't see that first verse. <laughs> okay. Verse 18 through uh, 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is God's word. And I didn't read the first part when I got up here. Uh, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. And your response is? It's in your bulletin. Amen. Now, Carter, if you're looking at me, I did that. <laughs> I often forget that, you know, the part that's in the, in the Bible. So, uh, what is Jesus saying here? I had to put in verse 18. He's, he's, Jesus is resurrected. He's coming to Galilee, back to Galilee. He told the 11 disciples, who are now apostles, or are going to be apostles, to meet him there. He met them, and then he says to them, uh, First, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And then he goes and gives the commission. Now, he has given, given them authority before. When he sent out the 12, he gave them authority to heal, to, to raise the dead even, uh, to drive out demons, to uh, cleanse lepers and that sort of thing. He already passed a limited amount of authority to them in the 12, sending out the 12. If you know about that, part of his ministry with the twelve, with the, uh, the three years with the 12 disciples. And then the 72, he basically did the same thing. He gave them authority to represent him on earth. And he gave them a great experience of that. And they were, came, came back rejoicing, uh, even the demons obeying us, you know. Well, now he's going to heaven and he's giving them his authority. All authority has been given to me on earth, in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go and make disciples. Now there are three primary verbs that I'm going to point out that we're gonna work through today in this uh, message. Making disciples is the main one. That's what this is all about. But there are three associated verbs there that give us some indication of what that is, how to do it, and so on. The first one is go. The second one is baptize. You go, what baptism got to do with that? We're going to talk about it. And finally, teach. Teach them to obey. The obey is in there. That's another action verb. But the part on, on the part of the disciple maker, and that's our focus today, is on making disciples. That you and me making disciples. We are supposed to be disciple makers. So the first one, the first verb there is go. He said, okay, where do I go? Where do I go? Well, is he speaking literally there or figuratively? Of course, it's figuratively unless he is calling you to go. You don't have to go to Kazakhstan. 
you don't have to go to outer Mongolia. That's not what he's talking about. But if he's calling you to do that, I don't Ali would love to have you with them uh, as they go back at the in the middle of August. Uh, just pack up and go. They'd be happy to, to, for you to go with them. They need your help. But that's really not what he's talking about. Let's look at some examples, biblical examples of when God calls men to service. Not men, people, I'm sorry. I don't mean to be whatever that is. Uh, men in the general sense, right? People. Examples. Uh, when uh, God called Moses, he said, leave your sheep. We've got work to do. Let's go back to Egypt. And Moses goes, I don't want to go back to Egypt. But uh, he did, after some arguing and excuses and so on. But God pulled him out of what he was doing and said, let's go. We have something bigger to do, something more important to do than tending sheep. He did the same thing with King David. He was tending sheep but he had something bigger for him to do. Elijah, when Elijah came and called Elisha at God's leading, what was Elisha doing? He was plowing. Now there's a trend here, the little, little uh, thread that goes through this. In your choice of disciples, they're busy. Gideon, what was Gideon doing? He was threshing wheat. And God said, drop your wheat, come with me. We've got something bigger to do. And when Jesus came along, he said to Peter and Andrew, drop your nets. We've got to go. We've got big things to do. Let's go. He said the same to James and John. Drop those stinky nets. I've got some bigger things for you to do. He calls people to make him first priority. That's the key. Whatever you're doing, he says, go. Drop whatever you're doing that is more important than I am. Now, when he sent out the 12, he said, if you don't love me more than you love your mother and your father and your daughter and your son, if you don't love me even more than yourself, you're not worthy of me. Luke says, you're not worthy to be my disciple. Ooh, disciple, that's the word, right? You want to be Jesus' disciple? He's got to be first. He has to be first. That means you have to, whatever that thing you're doing, has to be put aside in a figurative sense. It has to be subjugated to Jesus and what he's calling you to do. And folks, that's making disciples. That's his words right here in scripture. Making disciples. So Jesus calls you something, Christ calls you something that is probably important to you, but he, call, he sends you from that to something that is infinitely more important. <clears throat> infinitely more important. More than even as you read in the beginning. By the way, Carter didn't know what I was going to preach today. But he said, then Jesus told That's in the beginning of your bulletin. Isn't the way God does these things? It's amazing. Isn't it? uh, then Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. 
For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. That's the paradox of the Christian life. You want your life, lose it. You've got to put him first. So go. Whatever that go means to you personally, go. We have to take this as seriously as God takes it. And so that's the challenge. I'm going to put that in terms of a challenge. That's the go part. A commitment, which has to do with baptism, by the way. And then uh, accountability. But I've got teaching in the middle there. Teaching has to, requires accountability. So we're going to talk about the third element that's required in disciple-making, being accountable to each other. So, the commitment part, uh, you, you can, you know, you can drop those nets or, and, and you can be, you know, like the sower, you can spring up quickly and so on. And whenever the disciples were dis disappointed that Jesus had failed them, what did they do? They went back to fishing. And basically Jesus says, why are you doing that? What, what, what are you doing? <laughs> I called you to something else, right? Well, they didn't know what else to do. I mean, they didn't, even though he told them over and over again, this is what's going to happen to me. When it actually happened, they didn't know what to do. So they went back to the only thing they knew to do, fishing. So when they went back to fishing and Jesus had to get them and bring them back out. And he said to Peter, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. Don't catch fish. Feed my sheep. We're going to get back to disciple making. Right? So it requires a commitment. A strong commitment that will hold you for life. That will not let you go. Now God won't let you go for salvation. There's no question about it. But we will waver. We will vacillate in our commitment, so to speak, or in our enthusiasm, in our Whatever, I, I point at myself for that. We have to be sincere, we have to be faithful. Yes, we even have to sacrifice in areas of our life. Whatever that important thing was, yeah, if, you don't, if you can't let it go, that's a big problem, right? So it does require sacrifice, but it gives us a guarantee, a hope. Uh, J.I. Packer says, when he says, uh, he's talking about evangelism and the sovereignty of God, you have a guaranteed success. We know God is going to save those whom he calls, right? And praise the Lord, he lets us be part of it. He lets us participate in it, right? So we have a sure hope, an absolute hope, that uh, we will succeed in this. Well, what has baptism got to do with that? What is baptism? It's linked from Jesus, the time Jesus rose. Well, from his time, I mean, the disciples were baptized early by John the Baptist, or what? we don't know exactly when they were baptized, but they were baptized early in a, a repentance, of, a, a baptism of repentance. But the point is that they had identified with seeking the Messiah. That was our identity. That's the ones he called. Those are the ones who were seeking him. They were following John the Baptist, and John the Baptist said, no, not me, him. So they run over to him, right? So they, they outwardly 
declared themselves to be a follower of Christ. And baptism is one, when Peter preached, he, they said, what, do we, what can we do? Believe and be baptized. Now, I'm not take, saying that baptism is necessary for salvation, but it is necessary for a sanctified life, in my opinion. It's, it's absolutely critical for us in our life. Why? It isn't just my outward, and it is that. When you take a vow, we, we baptize infants, right? But you took a vow as parents to raise that child. That is a serious vow. That is a lifelong vow. That is something you can't give up. You as a congregation answer those questions as a vow, a very serious vow. This is not just ritual. It's a very serious thing, baptism is. And it should be treated that way because it is an outward expression of an inner faith, right? Not only that, why did Jesus put it here? And why did he use the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit? How many times do you find that in the Bible? You find it here. All of the Godhead is brought into that sacrament, that ordinance. All the power, all the blessing, all the benefits of God is brought into that sacrament. God is faithful. He will carry out his covenant. And that's part of his covenant, right? So if you aren't taking that seriously, if you don't see that as a real empowerment, a real blessing from God to help me do what he's given me to do, that's what the commitment is. It has to be sincere. It has to be total. You have to understand it. I can't hide. I can't pretend to be somebody else. I have to be who I am. I'm a follower of Christ. And I'm a disciple maker because of that. That's the commitment that you make. The third thing that Jesus says to them, uh, teaching them. Now that's where we get to real disciple making, right? Teaching them to observe, ESV says, or obey everything I have commanded you. You have to teach. You can't. Now, here's where it gets to be individual, folks. God called a group of men to do disciple making. And he uses his church as a means to carry that out, to facilitate it. To, uh, to make that environment right, to help you and me individually to make disciples. But disciples are made individually. You are an individual disciple. You aren't just part of a, a mass, a blob. So God called them individually. Jesus Christ called them by name individually to make disciples, to believe in him, to follow him, and then to make disciples. Disciple making is an individual activity. You have to take it personally. You have to take it individually. What I do in the life of another person, or persons, I don't want to leave out the small group facilitation of that, right? 
There are many ways of doing it, but teaching is essential. It's critical. It's central to disciple making. And what are you teaching? All that Jesus has commanded you. Was that just the red letters in the Bible? Just the red words in the Bible? Huh? What is Jesus? What does he call himself? What does John call him? The Word. Amen. The living Word. He was there at the beginning. By him, all things were made because he's the Word. God spoke him and made everything. So, he is the Word. He spoke through the prophets. He spoke through the writers of the Old Testament because he is the Word that they wrote. Right? All that he has commanded is in here. All of it. That's what we're supposed to teach. Right? That's what it says here. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So, it has an application. It's not, the word, God's word is not an exercise in, an academic exercise. We had memorized the word, some of you went through memorize the word many years ago. Uh, my biggest fear was that people would memorize all these verses and it would puff them up and they would call themselves experts in scripture and theology and so on and they would just be quoting scripture everywhere and I've seen that happen. Uh, that's not why we're learning God's word. Yes, we have to teach it, but it is to, it is to reveal him. It is not to puff us up. It is not to make us like the scribes and the experts of the law in the days of Jesus. It's to reveal him to us so we can get to know him personally and follow him and love him and obey him. We obey him because we know him, right? We obey him because we love him. So yes, Jesus said, teaching them to obey, you teach him my words, which will lead them to obey everything that I've command, commanded you because I am in them, they are in me, that my words abide in them, I abide in them, and they do my will because they know me. That's the purpose of teaching. But you cannot leave God's word out of it. That's the central part of making a disciple. I, I'll, I'll use a very quick example of this. Some of you may have heard this before. Uh, uh, a young captain, his name was Ken Torrey at the time in Southern California when I was a Marine uh, serving in Southern California. Uh, that's, by the way, that was when I was baptized. I got to be baptized in the Pacific Ocean by a Navy chaplain with a bunch of other Marines. And that turned my life around. It wasn't the baptism, but it was the time that God got a hold of me and said, you're going the wrong direction, buddy. I've got something better for you to do, something bigger for you to do. And by the way, you haven't been baptized, so you need to get baptized. So I was. And, and it just, anyway. So Captain Ken Torrey, on a trip to uh, Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles to hear Billy Graham, he invited me on that trip anyway, and on the way back he said, you want to start meeting together? We'll meet once a week in a parking lot, by the way, on base, halfway between his duty station and my duty station. He said, well, we'll meet Wednesday at noon for lunch. He said, you bring a sandwich, I'll bring a sandwich. 
And, uh, but that's not why we're going to be meeting. We're going to be sharing God's word about your quiet time, your prayer time, what you've been reading, what you've been memorizing, and so on. We're going to grow in our faith. And I said, amen. Let's go. Let's do it. And praise God. Uh, that was, that got me back on, I, I, I can't thank God enough for Ken Torrey. Uh, I don't say you have to do it that way, but you have to pour your life into someone, just as Paul poured his life into Timothy. Right? That's the idea of making disciples. Now, pick a busy person, by the way. <laughs> don't pick a, a lazy person, because you'll disappoint you. You know, or she, I'm sorry. Uh, get somebody that God has really called into that. Who has who's inspired them to make that commitment to follow you as you follow Christ, right? So, uh, the truths of the Bible, you, you get into it. You just absorb your, you soak in it, as Charles Spurgeon said. You, spoke, you, you soak in the word and let it do its work in you to bring you to be the kind of person that God wants you to be. As I say, the way you do it is the way God calls you to do it. These elements are critical in it. But how you do it with another person is between you and God. And I really would like to encourage you to use, to, to get involved in small groups because I'm hoping the small groups are going to really focus on that in the fall. How do we make disciples? It's what we're all supposed to be doing. So how do we do that? Ezra 7.10 is the first verse that you learn to memorize the word. Ezra was the rabbi, the, uh, the rabbi of the new Israel who came back from the captivity from Babylon. And he uh, led the people. Nehemiah built a wall, but Ezra led the people in God's word and so on. And Ezra said, in Ezra 7.10, it says, um, but Ezra had prepared his heart prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord. And in his law, he meditates day and night. No, that's for Psalm 1. See, I did it again, Tom. Let me go back. Let me just get it for you. Why didn't I mark it today? Okay. Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Job, right? Uh, here we go. Ezra 7.10. Every time you think you're going to quote something without looking it up, I fall on my face. For Ezra had devoted himself to study and to the study and observance of the law. That was his first step. He wanted to know God's word, and then he wanted to apply it to his own life, and then what he was going to do with what he going to do with it after that. It says, For Ezra had devoted himself to the study and observance of the law of the Lord and to teaching its degree, decrees and law in Israel. That was Ezra's life. First, he committed himself to studying God's word, to knowing it, then to applying it to his own life. You can't lead someone to a higher faith than you yourself have. Jesus said in Matthew 10, he said, you, no, one, no, no one is greater than his master or greater than his teacher. So the disciple maker, that's you and me, we have to stay ahead of those disciples. 
We have to commit ourselves to studying that word and to knowing and to applying it in our own life so they will have the example to follow. Right? That's the whole idea. That's the process that God instituted through Jesus Christ at the end of his ministry on the earth. That's what you and I are called to. What do you do it? The challenge is there. When God says, let's go, you've got to drop it. Whatever it is, you've got to drop it. You say, okay, wherever you want to go, I'll go. I'm yours. That's what he's calling you to. What do you do it? Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Lord, uh, we can't thank our Lord Jesus Christ enough for what he did for us. But he gave us the words of life. He gave us the words of hope. He gave, gave us the words of direction on how to live this sanctified life. How to serve him and how to build up your kingdom on the earth. So, Lord, please give us the strength. May your Holy Spirit fill us and empower us to take seriously what you've called us to do. Lord, help us. We need your help. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.